0: Hello and welcome to the latest Autocar Business Live webinar. My name is Mark Tishall, I am Autocar's editor and today we are discussing luxury websites. How do you bring a premium experience into the digital space? As online selling and the influence of the internet arrives to disrupt car purchasing techniques and the methods, it poses a new challenge for car manufacturers and retailers, especially the ones at the luxury end of the market. Joining me today are two guests who know more than most about this challenge. Brett Ward is CTO of HR Owen and the man who leads the upmarket retail group's digital strategy across all of its brands, from Aston Martin to RIMATS. Also here is Darren Jobling, CEO of Zero Lights and a man of a lengthy experience in the industry, initially creating racing computer games before launching Zero Lights in 2014. And Zero Light equips OEMs like Volkswagen and Lucid Motors with CGI tech, help them provide better omni-channel car buying journeys please don't forget to send in any audience questions you may have Uh, there's a little button you'll find and can submit questions and they'll come straight to me and we'll do our best to get through as many as possible today but for starters brett perhaps you could explain hr owens usp in this digital luxury
1: space Uh, hey mark it's a great question it really is um and and i think every retail group would probably answer that slightly differently um so Firstly, let me say thank you for having us on the show. It's, uh, it's appreciated. We're a big fan. Um, from a USB point, um, wow, um, we, we have a few, and we're very lucky with the, um, <clears throat> with the brands that we have. Um, our current Hatfield project, bringing five of the six, you know, or possibly more, uh, brands that we have together in, in one place um, is something that's a, I think is a good example is when your retailers are working very closely with your OEMs. Um, and, and working together is super important on, on all fronts, not just a strategy of, of, of retailing, but on customer data sharing and, and how we approach um, and that sort of environment. Um, and the websites, I, I suppose, is no different. We, we have to get everything right and separating. And we do this a lot, uh, separating physical and digital. We separate in conversations and we separate it in the real world as well. And that's kind of what needs to stop. Um, so we're trying to put a wrapper around the, those two environments to create a, a real 360 view. So we know if, you know, if a, a vehicle comes on site, we know who it is. We can welcome them by name and, and, and make sure the right person is there to greet them. Um, USP-wise, oh wow. The, the cool ones, I suppose. Um, globally, we're the only brand that, uh, or retail group that has both the Italian brands. Um, Hatfield will be the only place you'll be able to walk from one of those retailers to another Um, it's not something they they endure in in any other country Um, our web presence is is the same with all brands being represented and uh, and I suppose the next step of that for us and and, and what we see as our USP is creating that customer area we don't think the manufacturers should own the data, Um, we don't think we should own the data, we think the customers should own and have full access to that data and whether that's the leads and inquiries they've sent over the years or the pictures and videos of their cars that we've taken and sent them but absolutely everything all the storage everything that we've got should be accessible to them in, in, a, in a in a really rich environment so they can visit that from a physical point they can visit it from from an online point and something we're looking at which we'll be speaking to darren about at some point is is visiting that in, in meta and there's no reason why we shouldn't be looking at you know building out in sandbox and creating retail dealerships for people to visit there um short version we put customers first we put data first and, and security is the wrapper that sits around that i think um our customers are, are more important than, than anything else
0: and, and darren just before i come to you brett uh, you mentioned hatfield project a couple of times uh, I want, uh, that might be worth a good interesting explaining because it's quite a big project for you guys
1: oh yeah um so we might be building a, a little retailer up there um um yeah so you you need to come see that we're opening i think probably the west building um in december and then the second building will be probably january february which we will invite you to um i'll also invite darren to because there's at least two formula one simulators going in so i'll uh, i'll challenge you both to a to a lap around silverstone if you like and ferrari so yeah, so we've got five brands, two rather large buildings, um, and a, a, a really huge site. So you, you can see it on Google Maps already um, from from the sky, which is it's super interesting to look at. But having walked around it and done a few tours with 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 contractors and suppliers, it certainly gets my step count up.
0: Watch this space, Darren. Yeah. Um, perhaps you...
1: <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's, 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 it's an amazing place. And it, and it will be a, a destination to travel to. There are other retailers uh, within the same park, a Mosquito Way Hatfield, um, and we're just bringing another five, possibly six brands there.
2: Brilliant.
0: Um, Darren, perhaps you could explain a bit about Zero Light's work uh, in this field.
2: Yeah, um, I suppose, well, first thing, good morning, everybody, and, and thanks for having us on. So, so fundamentally, Zero Light's background is in the world of game. And all that a computer game is, is a really engaging consumer experience. So something that gets you hooked in, something that gets you engaged, and something that's personal to you. And really what we did at ZeroLite was we saw a big opportunity in automotive to bring that level of engagement to the total car buying journey. So what we've done is fundamentally created a platform, and it's a visualization platform, and what it does, it allows uh, OEMs and their dealers and their territories to personalize that entire customer journey. And I suppose um, the the standout company that we're associated with at the moment is uh, Lucid Motors. And Lucid Motors is known as the the, the Apple of of automotive. And you cannot buy a Lucid vehicle either uh, in a dealership, in a, what they call a, a Lucid studio, or online without using Zero Light software. So, so it's, it's, it's obviously, I think we represent, you know, a, a future direction that people are heading in. And we help the traditional OEMs, the likes of Volkswagen, to, on their journey as well, to, to really personalise that whole, that whole experience.
0: So, Dan, with your background in creating racing games, perhaps you could share some of those games you made. Is what what tangible things can the automotive industry learn from you know sitting playing the PlayStation to then going to to, to buy a car?
2: I think it's it, it, it's literally all about all about engagement. I think in, in the internet you saw an evolution of the internet. It went from text to static images to video, and now it's going into 3D internet, which is fundamentally the metaverse, as it's it's affectionately known. And really what happened is, in that evolution, automotive is still somewhat stuck in the uh, static image world, whereas in actual fact, if you give somebody a vehicle online to play with, so you actually bring that vehicle to life. It becomes an interactive video. What happens is the person becomes way more engaged. So for Lucid Motors, we provide static images and we also provide interactive 3D cars. And I was in, I'd was encourage people to go and try it themselves at lucidmotors.com. But what you see is when somebody actually begins to Play with a 3D car. Look around it. Open the doors. Open the, the boot. The bonnet, etc. Engagement goes up. So, on average, uh, public figures from Lucid, on average, somebody spends an additional thirty percent of time configuring the vehicle. And when they're doing that, they're not looking at the competitors' competitors' cars. But way more interestingly, history, interestingly, is they have a forty-nine percent increase in conversion and a 57% increase in revenues per session. So although it's very nice, it's interactive, it's fun to, 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 to actually go through the process, there's strong commercial reasoning behind it. You know, when you go on a lot of um, websites, even with luxury cars, you know, sometimes some of the options aren't displayed on the vehicle, or worse still, it's just a little bit of text, and you have to go away and do that research yourself and work out whether you want to buy that option. Whereas with zero light, if it's something like rear seat entertainment, you can put that in the rear of the car, switch it on, but sit in the back of the vehicle and look at it and play with it and understand it. And if you can understand it, you're way more likely to buy it.
0: So it's effectively a a kind of next generation live car configurator.
2: Correct, it's like having the car um, with you. It's like being in a dealer. I think what we say is that consumers are buying cars online mentally. So by that, they're actually doing the research, um, doing all the work behind it. They know what the Part X is worth. They know what their, you know, what finance deal it is. It's just that the buy it now button is in a dealer. So what happens is you do all your research and then you go then you go to the dealer and, and you transact. And this is why the number of um, showroom visits has declined over the last decade. I think used to, the average person used to go seven times before they bought a car. Now it's, it's just over one and a half. So fundamentally what's happening is people are deciding online and that's why really online is somewhere where you're going to have to devote your efforts to hook the person and bring them to you
0: now brett hiron sits in the, the luxury space and your your customers will be well used to or well versed in other luxury brands how different is the automotive industry in in adopting sort of digital tools um in the luxury space versus say other brands versus the automotive industry
1: um <sighs> Yeah, I suppose we're getting there. I think we're not there yet, as Darren says. There's there's so many different uh, systems and facilities that we can use that we're, that we're not using. Uh, we're very lucky that we, we have got the scope to go and and look at these these projects. Um, but it, it, it's the simple things, and when we talk about transactions, um, you look at the likes of I don't know Louis Vuitton. You know the Louis Vuitton Group, about 40 companies they're in the process of moving over to a really simple pay bank to bank payments. And it's three clicks to pay for a, a high-end luxury item. Um, and one of those is a thumbprint. So it's your ID, your bank, and your payment all done in one, you know, 15 forms to fill in and date of birth and mother's maiden name and your favorite flavor of ice cream. It's just really simple. And we have, you know, a, a similar database of, you know, cash rich, time poor, and we need to be adopting those, those you know, similar traits of making it really simple and safe for our customers to, to transact and convert and to, and to submit leads into our business. Um, there's a lot of, obviously, AR. If you look at the luxury watch sector, you can go and try a watch it online on, on, on most of the luxury brands, such as Amiga and Rolex. Uh, and, again, having those in, in a virtual world for, for our customers has scope and legs and it's something that we're looking at um quite heavily with the likes of salesforce and, and we were talking to google so it's it's something that we're looking through and it's one of the things that we'll be catching up with darren with after this to be fair yeah i, I
2: think sorry mark i was, I was just going to say just picking up on the uh, on the augmented reality the the, the ar thing um, so technology that we've got that will be released with mass market manufacturers this year is the customer can go online, configure a car, add child seats, add, add whatever the whatever whatever they want to add. And then via an automated pro- process within five minutes, they can see that car in augmented reality on the drive. So what they can actually do is just send them to their mobile phone, a car that they can look at, put on their drive and begin to understand the vehicle. So I think in the world of tomorrow, and it's not really that far away, you know, that that, uh, dealers will be able to send, actually, AR cars to customers to persuade them to come into the dealership. And I think, really, that's the way it has to be. You know, people still need a a personal touch. Uh, We call it the online sales paradox, which is, yes, people are shying away, maybe from coming into a dealer, but but the, the same level they still need that level of personal touch to get them to get them over the line so i think really it's all about putting your vehicles wherever the customer is currently hanging out because you can't really rely on them coming to an oem website or the dealer website you have to reach out and bring them in and that's what zero light does it helps on that reach to bring them in
1: do you you see that stretching to vr darren because that, that's the dream, isn't it? You walk into, you know, one of our retailers, have a look around, pick an SP3, get in it, sit down, take it for a drive around whatever racetrack you want to race it around.
2: Yeah, so, so, I mean, we if you go into, say, a Lucid studio in the US, and they've just opened one in Munich, actually. So what they've got there is um, a VR experience in what they call a book, which is basically the outside interior frame of a car. And you put on a VR headset and you then touch and feel and you, you can spec up the car and immediately see the car that, that you're actually that, that that you're actually configuring. But then you can do all sorts of very interesting things where we can also bring in another car. So you can do back to back comparisons, you know, if a customer can't decide between two alloy wheels, you can bring them on and look at two next to each other and decide. So we did obviously with uh, Lucid Motors, they use VR. What's coming in virtual reality is what they call Cloud XR. So currently with virtual reality, you put on a headset, it excludes you from the world but then you go into this virtual world where you can look around look around the vehicle. With CloudXR, you're going to lose the wires. It's going to be way lighter and way more accessible. And there's no reason why every dealer can't have one.
1: But it's more, do you not think it's more the customers have one? You know, a, a lot of my colleagues and friends have Oculus headsets. Yeah. That, that's my vision. Well, I, I want to do it at home. I don't want to come into a retailer to do and have that experience. I want to be able to go in from home visit within meta pick a car and, and and drive it wherever i want it yeah that's, i think that's how experience I, worth sort of looking at
2: yeah so, so i think it, it, in a future world you're heading there but the problem is there's, there's not that installed base so currently with vr headsets it tends to be those people that are tech savvy and ahead of they're not really they're not really um mass marketly available not every home has got one whereas every home has got a smartphone. There's something like six billion of them, and something like one billion people use augmented reality. So, really, what we see is augmented reality on a mobile phone is very accessible. You know, you don't feel excluded or anything like that. You can use it, and people are just used to using their phones to do stuff. So I think VR there's definitely a place, I think, in terms of when you get them in the dealer, make it you know, a destination. So you want to come to the dealer that, you know, you've configured your car online, but now you want to see it in virtual reality. That's a reason to come to HR, HRO, and take it out for a test drive. That's another reason to come there. So I think it's, it's definitely heading in that direction.
0: Is it, is that one place, Brett, do you think that, um, luxury can distinguish itself in the online world is that you mentioned your customers have the vr headsets is that is that a way that that brands like hro and can distinguish themselves more you know mainstream dealers in, in in allowing people to have vr in their in their own homes and spec
1: their cars that way it's you know it would be a great thing to have but it's not uh, just a case of specking cars we you know darren mentioned the metaverse is you know why we're we not rebuilding in there why have we not got showrooms that you can visit with a Starbucks in and, and so on and so on? This, and this is already going on and happening. And then if you you, you push that out and, and, and 10x that version of the reality, then why are we not minting cars? Why have we not got a showroom full of cars that are available to buy an NFTs? So there's so much that you can do in, in, in Meta that's outside of, of, of what our customer base is looking at now. But we have the next generation of people growing up where buying and transacting in that way, whether it's on Fortnite or Roblox and, uh, and all those instant payments, buying a digital asset, it, 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 that's normal. So it, it's that version sort of looking you no know, further forward. And again, it's not going to change overnight. We're not going to instantly see every household with a, with a VR headset. But those days will come. And and Facebook are already looking at a much cheaper version of of the Oculus units, and they will get the market with it. And in 10 years time, I I think those experiences will look very different. And I think, I mean, Lucy's a great example. They'll be leading the way with it.
0: Brett, changing tact a bit here. Perhaps you could talk us through the standard customer journey as it is now for say a
1: Ferrari buyer or or a Lamborghini buyer. What, what, What is it like in 2022? Okay, so I mean, Ferrari is a good example to refer. We, we've got a really great relationship with, with the manufacturer, and they're quite forward thinking um, with regards to um, customer data and that shared experience, and, and, and the fact that the customer ownership is, is super important. So, whether we have I don't know, the customer inquires into words, if they attend an event, if we meet them at Goodwood, or whether they run through the manufacturer side, we have a live API running with um, Ferrari's uh, Oracle-based system um, into our Salesforce CRM. So anything that happens as opposed from a customer point is shared both sides. And we can, if it's an existing customer and they inquire about a specific model, it just creates a task in the salesperson that's looking after them to put a call in or a WhatsApp or an email or however they want to be contacted. If it's new, we'll create it and send them to the right person at the right branch that's got capacity to deal with it straight away. And all that information is shared to and from the retailer. Um, so it's quite lucky. And that, that carries on through the life. In fact, you know, goes to purchase, which can take time with luxury vehicles. Um, then they're, they're courted the whole way through the process. And that might be a factory tour or um, a, a trip to Goodwood or the test drive events we run throughout the country. Um and then the purchase process again, depending on what car it is, you, you might not see it for three years. So there's that relationship that needs to be nurtured the whole way through. So we have a, a, a full view CRM that that not only just reminds salespeople to actually call the customers, but we can also automatically generate uh, invites, um, events, social gatherings around the customers' interests that we know about. So so data hugely important. Um, making that journey personal it's usually important and yes we have a process that i suppose we want customers to go through like everybody else does but we have to treat customers i suppose exactly the same and completely differently at the same time because we have a process we want to go through but they want to go through that process in their way and their choice so if they want to whatsapp in then we need to be able to accommodate that if they want a video tour of a car if they want to book, book a test drive for a weekend then all of that stuff we need to accommodate it's super important that, that, that the customers attract and get to communicate and engage with us in a way that, that they need to do.
0: And, and Darren, he, hearing that, that journey, perhaps in your non automotive background, how, how much opportunity do you see to get involved in, in all those areas uh, with with Zero Light and your, your tools?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, obviously, um, coming from the games industry, The games industry is all about uh, anonymized user behaviors. So when you're playing even a very simple game like Candy Crush, and you're an anonymous user they're tracking that anonymous user data and literally if uh, on level 20 if the person gets stuck at level 20 literally alarm bells go off and they make level 20 easier so you can carry on playing and carry on monetizing so what we do is zero Light, is when the customers using a configurator online we track anonymized user behavior and we match that to other people's behavior that have um converted so that they've actually went ahead and put down a reservation or whatever the call to action is. And really, you can gain a heck of a lot more from that anonymized user user behavior data to really understand what people are doing and how how they're interacting how they're interacting with your vehicle. and therefore you can personalize the whole experience now if you think about you know uh all of our amazon pages all of our uh, spotify pages they're all personal to us so my amazon home page will look different from different to yours and i think that's the direction where automotive really has to work in terms of customize when somebody comes back to your website you should know the journey that brought them there whether they've been there before what they looked at and begin to personalize that whole experience so that's the world that we're heading to um and generally if somebody gets engaged in that way they're way more likely to say hand over an email address or a phone number for a consultation. So it's really what we say is if you engage the customer, there's plenty of time to get the data that you need. You know, it's engage with them first, the rest will come.
0: So, Pratt, the, the headline question really of this webinar what, what is the biggest challenge of selling luxury online? How do you distinguish luxury in, in kind of zeros and ones in, in, in the online world?
1: um yeah it's, it's a great question um you can't just sell cars online but you can use online to sell cars And i think that's probably the takeaway from this that, that people should get if you expect to build a journey and put a buy button at the end of it and expect it to convert on mass then you're kind of going to be disappointed um a bit like people visit our showrooms and we have we have people in there that know an awful lot about our cars and we have those people because when people come into our showrooms they generally have questions so they seek assistance. Um, and, and the website's no different. It's assisted selling that on one-to-one uh, on end, end, end of journey. It's bought, done. Uh, might work at the moment for some of the electric cars, but even with that, you, people have questions, people have part exchanges, people have service regimes. So you have to be there to, to, to assist those and those communication pieces are, are, are really key. Um, we do offer the facility to reserve vehicles online from used. Uh, We have valuation tools on there, uh, and we make it as easy as we can to convert. Um, But do we sell cars online? Yeah, we've sold a few. We've we've taken reservations and deposits for cars online. Yeah, clearly we have. We've taken finance applications that have been successful online. Yeah. Um, Is it going to completely change? Probably not. And I think especially with the luxury sector, because they're so configurable, people want advice. People have questions. So it's 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 not just a case of a buy button at the end of a journey.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a very interesting point, is that is that to me, luxury means choice. So so I think with I think it was Bain and company said that the average person wanted, you know, 20, 20, different touch digital touch points before they bought a car and they expected them all to be consistent and, and all looked the same. So it was really interesting how um, how Lucid handled it. So obviously Lucid was a new brand uh, that didn't have very many cars because they were ma- manufacturing the cars and they didn't have many uh, retail stores. So they came to us with a problem, which is we also believe that people have got questions specifically around, you know, what does the brand stand for? How, you know, how, how do you charge an EV? What do I need? All, the, all these standard questions. So we came up with something called Lucid Studio Live. Which is fundamentally uh, based around a product called Zero Light Concierge. And what they do is they call up the customer. Um, 70% of them are literally on mobiles. And what they do is they send them a vehicle either to their desktop or to their or to their mobile phone, a digital vehicle, not a real vehicle, a digital vehicle, the mobile phone. And then the product experts, so think more of like an Apple style approach. They are there to talk you through the um, the features of the vehicle, and literally you can explore it at your end on your mobile phone or on your desktop. The product expert guides you through the whole guides you through the whole experience. Uh, the typical length of them is forty five minutes. So if you think about it, is pretty representative of the of the discussion within a dealer. But way more important, regardless of whether you complete online or you complete in one of the dealers, you're twice as likely to reserve if you've been through that experience. You've spoken to another sort of human being and helped you through the process. And I think I think that is key. You still need that human-to-human contact.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Um, with a With a luxury website Brett how when you're designing I know you're not doing ferrari.com but how how do you make a Ferrari website look di- different from a Dacia website or, or or a Peugeot website for example
1: um I, I'm pretty sure the cars do that for themselves to be fair um okay so for us for me personally and, and, and just knocking back to what Darren said and all the websites that he's mentioned all of those websites have account areas And if you want to track customers properly, you need permissions and permissions are set within account areas. Um, Intelligent cookie tracking is going to remove and with GA4 coming around the corner, it will remove an awful lot of tracking that people are currently relying on. So that's why or one of the reasons we're building those account areas through. Um, So the website's got to be. (coughs) It's got to be functional. Um, It's got to be. I get the shapes and colors and it's got to be aesthetically pleasing, but a lot of that is done with the brand guidelines because the brands have certain standards. Um, but we look at that last. So when we built the current the current website, the first thing I did when I joined HRO four years ago was, was stick a really oh God, intuitive data layer on the site so we could track what was happening, what wasn't happening, what the fail points were, what people were trying to do, what they couldn't do. Um, and and, and what we hadn't got, I suppose, which is the most important thing, we then use that information to wireframe the website to make it really easy for customers to convert, to find what they want. We knew why people were coming to the website because we watched all that. So the shapes and colours comes last. And and every agency that's on here is going to hate me for saying this, but if an agency comes to you and, and, and their first question in the first meeting is, you know, what websites do you like the look of? Then, then just tell them to go away and close the door behind them because any agency worth its salt before they have their first meeting with you to show you what they can do, will we'll be asking for access to analytics to find out what your site is currently trying to do and what's not working and what should be working. Um, shapes and colors are, they look great when a dev showing to you in a, in a high-end Mac studio with a 32-inch retina display I'm sure that's a fantastic experience for you watching it, but that's not a sale point when your customer's trying to convert a, 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 a vehicle valuation on his phone on a Boston 4G. It's very, very different. So The website is not just about design. It's about making it easy for your customers to find what they want. And that's not just automotive. It's not just luxury. Any website, um, should have a, a, a whole plan with regards to CRO of, of how it should be working, why it's not working, what the fail points are.
2: Yeah, I think that from from I think that the 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 in an ideal world, what we say is the website should should basically change according to the behaviour of the individual. Yeah. But then, interestingly, I think longer term, we also say. That the website should behave according to the behavior of the OEM as well. So, so this is an interesting thing, which is fundamentally, obviously, when you should know as much as you can about the consumer, should be as personalized as it possibly could. But there is a, often a disconnect between the website and what's actually happening at the OEM. And obviously, the chip shortage is the, is, the, is the obvious example. So in the world of tomorrow, the website of tomorrow, if, for example, they're running low on chips for heated seats that option should be removed from the site or at least have a have a warning that if you pick that option it's going to add to a six month month delay and i think that's the that's the world that you're heading towards is currently a um a typical automotive website doesn't know much about you when you arrive really doesn't know what your budget is which you know it you get offered everything and it's down to you to do all the exploration work i think what you should be doing is doing based on the behavior doing a lot of that exploration work for them and helping them through the process because specifically with luxury cars they're very complex beasts to configure you know there's a lot of options in there and they're all big big money decisions
1: But it goes back to having an account area there, having a data layer to track all that and push all that information straight back into this CRM. So you can and you've got all that information because what you can't expect is a customer to fill a a form submission in that's got 15 to 20 fields in. It should be, I'm on a used car and this is what I'm looking at. I want to email about a test drive, click. And it should be that simple because we know everything else. We know where they are. We know what they've looked at. We know how they came in. All that information is already there. So all that is taken, done, passed into the CRM. The CRM finds out where the car is, finds the sales, person, allocates it and starts the journey back to the customer. Yeah, It should be that seamless. The account area side of it, which is the next step, makes it even better. And that's when you can do that full personalization. And the reason your Amazon page shows you what you want to see and what my kids have been looking at in my case. Um,
0: question to both of you then. Do you, Based on that, do you, do you think... Car brands, dealer groups lose sales based on the quality of that online experience. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, definitely. What we say is that is that fundamentally people because cars are becoming like iPhones on wheels, you know, they're that technology driven. What's happened is people are associating the technology in the customer journey has been representative of the technology within the car so if you go to a OEM site and the car can't even do a decent website you're going to think the technology in the car is going to be of a similar lackluster quality so really i think that there's an added level of complexity whereas whereas in the mind of the consumer technology is technology. And if you can't do one area of technology very well, the, the, what you're doing in the other area will not be very good either. So yeah. it's, it's really playing for higher stakes.
1: And that filters down to the retail level as well, because you have that, obviously, the, the, the consumer interacting with the OEM, but when they've picked a brand, they then they're looking at retailers. And it's the same thing. If you go in and have a poor retail experience online, you'll never get through the door. And likewise, if you get through the door and have a terrible experience, you will disengage with that retailer and go and work with the brand elsewhere or move brands. Yeah. There's different okay. stages that you, you really have to get it right, not just in digital, but connecting digital and, and, and physical is, is, is super important.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's often talked about, you know, this connected omni-channel. Is a, is definitely where once you reveal yourself to Lucid and give them permission, everything that you see from that point onwards is personalized to you. So if you've configured a car, uh, you get emails where all of all the images in that email are your car and your configuration. You from the CRM tool, they can send you a personalized video of hey, hey here's your here's your car in a video, and they can even create a Instead of having a paper brochure, they can even create a personalized website. So your customer has a personalized website where all the media on that website, all the images, all the videos are all your car and your configuration. And that's happening now on demand.
0: So customers are clearly wise to this. And you know, it sounds like brands within HRN and Lucid are as well. Do you think all manufacturers um, and dealer groups are perhaps as... as Aware of what customer expectations are now and how much they've changed.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, so most of our brands are on either a Salesforce or, or, or similar journey to look at that 360 view and, and, and to have that. Some are further ahead than others. Um, we're, we're working with a few of them, showing them what we've done, how we're building through. Um, from a retailer point of view, there are some really great operators out there. Um, Philip Deacon at Marshalls, Russ Brown, uh, Dick Lubberts, amazing people in the industry. And I think what's changing is is people like them and and, and myself are are now being listened to because the insight that we provide, we can sit there and prove it and show them what's happening with customer journeys, show them how people convert and show them that, you know, the best place to market a specific car based on the, the, the current heat maps of what we've sold into that area. So... People in, in, in the tech side of it, and we've all been called geeks and whatever else for the, for the, for the last 20 years in automotive, um, they're kind of being listened to now. And we run a huge BI project as well, which um, our business now relies on for looking at sales figures and, and events and what's happening and what's working throughout the business. And that is, is it's quite a swing from what I've seen. And, I, and I've worked retail side. I started selling cars in a Fiat retailer in East Grimstead you know, 20-odd 20, 20 years, God, 20-odd years ago now, yeah. Um, so I've seen all the changes and understand how the journeys work and, and the, the data side of it is, is super important now.
2: Yeah, and, and I, think, I think, to be fair, most people are aware of the need for change. So, so and I think there is an appetite for change. We, we definitely see it amongst the OEMs. It's just that a lot of OEMs are siloed. So because um, the way things have been done historically, you know, the website is done by one group, the uh, the retail is done by another group, the CRM is done by by another group, and connecting those bits together is hard. So we say a traditional OEM is more like a brownfield site, where they can't do everything all at once. You have to start in one area and then connect it up when. when when they're available to do it, which is time-consuming, and that in some ways is the advantage that EV players have, because they're a greenfield site, they can come in and put in a totally new customer journey right out of, right out of the gate. So I think it's hard for the traditional OEMs to compete, but by gum, they're trying hard to do it.
1: I think. I I think some of that's true, Darren. And I think, you know, from the EV side, Lucid, you know, are great. They're they're literally like another Tesla coming through. They own their own ecosystem. Um, You've got the likes of Techie on DMS coming through. Um, Very interesting. They're the guys that built the the, the Tesla infrastructure. But you have also got other players in EV that have a really sort of fancy front end to buy an EV, but it's literally like a cowboy town. There's nothing behind it. So you get a really poor experience when you've converted. Um, and what's changed, I suppose, in, in our world and retail world is the fact we've embraced, you know, things like APIs. So we are connected to our manufacturers. We are connected to our DMS. We are connected to, you know, the, the, the likes of auto process for compliance. So we haven't got all these siloed data problems. We have a very slick system from, from GetAuto, which works in AWS, which we can connect everything to. So we're really lucky in that way. I totally get what you saying. There's not a lot of people doing that for the bigger businesses out there. That's what the, the, the pressure to do is now, is to connect the data to make a better customer journey, to offer that information back to solve problems for customers and for the, for the manufacturers. So you've got that joined up approach.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because I was talking to a major European uh, OEM, mass market OEM, and they said they had over 200 CRM systems used by their dealers in Europe which is just like a 200 different crm systems and the, the connecting all that up is going to take them some time
1: it does and, and 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 that that's what it is for us you know it does take time to do them but be re, re, sorry building reusable apis yeah the way it's it's not going. we we have salesforce as our complete center so that is our source of truth so we have one end of that built So it's then building all the other ends out. So we want to connect to Autotrader, See It Now, and all these other products that we're connecting through to CRM. We can do that. It's not that complicated. We'd probably look at a a project time for something like See It Now of, I don't know, four to six weeks for a connection into uh, UAT, then pushing out to prod. So it's not as complicated as it sounds to build, and Salesforce is, is a very scary thing for a lot of people, but most of the DMSs out there will have API sets, ask them for the docs and start building and start connecting your data. Yeah. That's yeah. what customers want, that's what they're expecting.
0: Customer data, something that, that come up, or I'm afraid really running throughout this. How more willing are, are luxury buyers to, to sort of impart their data than, than perhaps more a, a mainstream consumer?
1: Um, well, wow. so CRO is a basic rule of, of, of CRO. Is if you want something off someone, give them something back. It is literally a transaction of data. So, if you would like a test drive, we need some information. If you would like some help, well, we're going to need some information. But we don't need it all in one go. I don't need a you know a copy of your driving license, your blood test, and 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 twenty other things to start the process to book a test drive. We just need to know what car you want to drive and when, and we'll take it from there. So asking for small chunks of information is, 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 is important. Um, but the data from, you know, if I'm buying a, a laptop or, or an SP3, my data to me is just as valuable irrelevant relevant to which company I'm dealing with. So it's not about what they're buying. It's purely about looking after your customer's data.
0: Um. A few questions coming in now. Thank you very much. Um, let's start one from Drew Tyrrell from Visa Limited. One for Darren. When it, when a customer configures a car, how do you share all of this data back into the retailer to build up that rich picture of the options the customer has not just chosen but spent time considering?
2: Yeah. So so fundamentally, um, we're CRM agnostic, but the um, but the the uh, Lucid is based on Salesforce. So what happens is, because of tracking, most car manufacturers have a, a link to the final configuration. So when you get to the end of a configuration, you have a code, and then you have the, the final configuration that matches that code. What sale what um, ZeroLite does is it reveals the decisions you made prior to, prior to coming to that final decision. So as I was saying earlier, you might have selected the most, the more expensive alloy, but at the last moment, you, you went for the cheaper alloy. So obviously that's an upsell opportunity that you can feed into recommendation engines such as Einstein. Similarly on color, if I don't have the color you, final, you finally selected, I know what you looked at and how long you spent. So it's way more than sort of like Google Analytics clicks. It's, it's, you know, a lot, a lot of it is all about the time that you spent and the choices that you made in that process. So fundamentally, if the customer gives permission, of course, what happens is that anonymized data can be linked to their account and then uh, it's, it goes straight into the crm
0: thank you um another question feeds in wonderfully well uh, consultant richard gutch uh, what are the pros and cons of not putting the price of options on configurators if
2: anyone wants to take that one? Ooh. so i think and uh, i think um Transparency is key and transparency is key in, in in luxury as it as it is as it is anywhere. So I'm a great believer that um, you should inform the customer what the option is, how it functions, what its value is, but for me, I think I would like to see the price. I don't know what you think, Brett.
1: yeah, I mean we're manufacturer-led really on a couple of bits, but what we do offer, uh, from an online point but for what we offer is a, a you know, people can come in and sit and spec those cars and that's that's a couple of hours work for some of our vehicles and whether they do that uh, they come into to south Kensington and they do lamborghini or we take them to the factory um our bentley showrooms have uh, specific areas and, and rooms for you to configure in and that's i don't think that'll change we don't hide the prices for them um putting them online I don't think it's something that some of our brands do because it would just be over on the who can build the most expensive car with everything on, um, and that's uh, it's we, we get a lot of that anyway. Um But it's it's more about guiding the clients through of what will and what won't work with with certainly with some of our brands.
0: Another question from from Carl Elliott, UBT Motorfleet. With the transition transition to retail sites like Tesla and Polestar, is this the end of the dealer as we know it? You wanna?
1: I hope not. Looking at Hatfield, Uh, absolutely not. And and there there are many views on this. What Tesla didn't have was a retail network, and what Tesla don't have is retail networks, and they control everything from the battery tech. Um, soon to be mining um all the way through to to end user and everything else But you, if you've got an existing retailer network in, in most cases globally you can't really do that because if you go to the retailers and say okay this is what you're going to do now we're going to control it it's like okay well you need to buy this business then and you need to buy the land that's on it so it can't really work um going full going can be really really difficult because of that there's a middle ground that works really well with retailers working hand-in-hand hand and partnershiping with their OEMs so the customers get a much better experience, which is what we're trying to do. But having that full agency side controlled by a manufacturer, it doesn't work because the physical world for them already exists.
2: Yeah, and, and I think uh, I 100% agree. I think I think, to me, luxury is choice. And the, the key is to give give the luxury customer the option of where they want to where they want to con- where they want to conclude the deal and it all being connected and it all not being a hassle to do it wherever you want to do it so so I don't think that we're certainly not seeing the end of retail in automotive I don't, I don't think that's the case but I do think that more and more there's got to be more of a reason to go to the dealer and and I think you you see the digitization of dealerships and all all the sort of stuff that you see that you see going on, so um, I think my answer would be no. I don't see it. this is the end of the dealer.
0: Now, Brett, Ellie, something you touched on saying customers can and have bought some of your your cars online. What what are they saying about the online process? Is it is it always going to be a small minority in the in the luxury space who want to like your I think Louis Vuitton example of just buying with three clicks? Is that are they always going to be a minority, or do you, do you really see? quarter of a million pound ferraris being sold on mass as a relative term um, <laughs> we, we,
1: we don't sell anything on mass um, and i normally say sadly but i don't think we want to that we don't have on mass brands um, it's more about convenience if, if you found something that you really really want and we're not open which does happen we're not open 24 hours a day but you've decided about that car then would you want to wait you know maybe 24 36 hours before you could reserve it i think not and you know, with used vehicles, which is the only ones that we do it for, if you can reserve that car, then you haven't got that anxiety over the weekend of ringing up Monday morning. It's like, okay, I've reserved it. It's there for 72 hours. Let's finish the transaction Monday. And I'll enjoy the rest of my weekend. So it's purely about convenience. Um, full payment of vehicles online. Um, I doubt it. The only thing that will change in that is, is the world of cryptos. So something we're looking at at the moment is the the route to take crypto payments. And they're different, the reason being is that people that are are spending through cryptos or can be the case where they've made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds literally overnight. And if that's the case, then they're not really concerned about discounts. They're not concerned about transactions. They just want to move a coin and, and, and buy something to transact and turn it into something real so that i suppose could change um but is it going to be a majority of customers paying full up for a car online no will we see bank-to-bank payment through the likes of buying for our customers coming to pick their car up where they're in the back of an uber and all they want to do is just pay for it and pick it up in three clicks yeah absolutely why would you not want to do that
0: when when the sums involved get get so vast does that Add an extra level of, of security to 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 your sites and your network, Brett. And, and how do you how do you navigate that?
1: Um, so I, I, I was fintech prior to coming to this, so I, I kind of get what level of security is needed, um, and we have that all the way through our business. Um, we're as secure as we can be. We work very closely with Barclays, um, the likes of Paybine, I mentioned, are, 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 are great people to to, to work alongside. Um, we have the likes of carbon black rolled out along our uh, whole uh, infrastructure and endpoints. So security is like super keen. Uh, and it's, I, I could sit here and say, because of the database we have and who we've got on it, it's more important. It's not. My data is just as important as everybody else's. So all customers' data should be tracked with with the utmost respect and safety. And you should be doing everything you can to, to keep it that way.
0: Darren, Lucid is a without a brand with 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 no history really, and you know, it can come in and do really new things. Is there any reason why what they've done can't be done by a by a a Skoda, a Volkswagen, a, a Peugeot, a Renault? Uh,
2: to be honest, no reason at all. So it's it, and I think this is the to me. Any car purchase is, is generally a luxury purchase. Um, you know, the, after your home, it's it's the most expensive. It's the most expensive thing that you buy. And if you can have a personalised luxury experience with Spotify at nine ninety nine a month, why can't you have that same personalised experience when you come to buy when you come to buy a car? So I think a lot of the work that we do is in working with those manufacturers, helping them to get that luxury experience, help them, helping them to move more towards the Lucids, the Lucids of the world and that understanding of the customer.
0: Do, do they need a bit of help to get over the line? Is it, is it just easier and more intuitive for a brand like Lucid to do it?
2: Uh, I think I think they have they, they've definitely got an appetite to do it there's there's no doubt about that I think the the difficulty is as I was saying earlier is they have it's th- things that have been established and set in stone for a number of years so you have to break a few eggs uh, to actually make make the omelet and I think that's the, that's the often the difficulty that you that you get in is there's an appetite for change but you need to actually really push forward and bring in the change.
1: Yeah, and that's taking the, your staff with you as well. You can't just implement, you know, new products and, and new services that we offer without taking your staff on on, on the journey along with you on that. Yeah, load a new tech into a business; they all sort of sit there and sort of go backwards, and, it, and it's just panic, and, it, and they'll they'll find ways around it. So it's really important to to bring that new tech and new systems into a business with your customers, uh, sorry,
2: with your um, staff? I think so. It's all a case of horses for courses in terms of, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get Somebody who's who's who sold cars in a traditional way for twenty plus years or something like that, the way they've always done it. They might not be the best person to be demonstrating a virtual reality configurator. However, there's plenty. You know, it, they still have their role to play. You know, they're the personal interaction point. But maybe you think about a product expert to show show somebody like a like on virtual oh, reality. I, I was selling
1: cars twenty years ago, Darren. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think in the online world, good um, is much closer together for for a Dacia and a Ferrari than it is in the sort of d- the physical world, as it were?
2: So, what exactly do you mean by that? Can you elaborate a little bit further on that?
0: So, in in you know in, in the real world tangible touch feel look smell is is much easier to distinguish when you walk into a a Ferrari dealer versus a say a Dacia dealer a Renault dealer for example in the online world is that are they actually brought much 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 closer together and they're just as able to benefit from from everything we've been talking about today
2: I think what I think about it is is that um most probably if you're going to buy a luxury car, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you most probably have had them before, have a friend that has them or, or something like that. And you sort of know what, you, what, you're, what you're getting. In actual fact, if you're thinking about moving to a new brand, you know, like a Dacia or something like that, you most probably don't know, don't know what it feels like and what it looks like, you know, or, or so I think it's just, I don't think you're ever going to get, over the need for seeing a physical vehicle but what digital can do is you can transform that knowledge of the digital vehicle but see what your vehicle is going to look like fully personalized and i think that that works for the mass market brands just as as much as it does for the luxury brands
1: yeah i think i mean there's a a big difference to buying something that you need as opposed to something you really want Um, but it shouldn't mean the experience should be anything less I think if you're buying a, a Dasher or a, a Ford or a Vauxhall, if that's in buying a new car, it should still be a really nice experience, and you should be able to go in and customize it and have that online experience of quality. I don't think that should should be any different.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, got just a few more minutes, a couple more questions. Um, how, how, Brett, how do you keep a level of personal interaction with customers as the as the digital world? evolves evolves very quickly
1: yeah so so we connect data is how we do that um as i said before our purchase journeys and and and, you know pre and post are are long for some of our brands it can be years so we we take a lot of information we we pass a lot of information we store a lot of information so we kind of know what our customers like and don't like down to individual levels um, we have automated journeys sat within Salesforce that, that will nudge people along journeys or just remind the salespeople to get in touch or it will create a task in a diary So say, I'll oh, actually give Mr. Smith a call um, just to say hello or just to catch up or we'll get automatic reminders in for the manufacturers that a status change on the vehicle order, which will then generate an email and a phone call to you know, Mrs. Brown to, to tell her that her car is now in production, it's been painted and it'll be here in six weeks. So... We have to stay in touch because the journeys are so long. But we also value, I suppose, experiences. Um, the reason for building Hatfield is it's not just somewhere to come and look at cars. It will be a, a, an amazing experience. Uh, the showrooms we have in, in, in central London, it is an experience to go in them. And we welcome people to come in and come and visit and have that, you know, that experience in, in the centre of town. Um, I don't really see that changing for us. It is about, you know, we, we do a lot of work around customers down to the rather crazy Lamborghini Christmas parties, um, which please never go to. It scared me when I went. Um, but it's, the, the point is we, we tailor it individually to the customers. You know, we, we closed Rolls Royce down in, in Mayfair and, and put tables in there. And I think we, we, we had a meal for, I think it was 25 guests and it was an amazing amazing event just to do something like that so it's not just doing the usual and oh, we've got a car launch we'll take it somewhere and, and put some squash and biscuits on it's a little bit different in the sector that we work in
0: mm. a, a final question for you both to finish on um crystal ball time is 2032 in 10 years time what what technical solutions are there beyond zero like beyond meta beyond vr even that might might further transform the the, the way car buying will we recognize it in 2032 as we do today
1: um i think the whole process will change but i think it's more from the manufacturing side and and tesla are a good example of this where you can you know otr upgrade on your car and that's what it kind of should be like it will help manufacturers because manufacturers will build all the cars exactly the same And then if you're going on a long journey, you can turn on radar, turn on cruise, turn on climate control and turn on automatic driving, go to sleep, read a paper, whatever you want to do. You don't need that all year round. You might turn on four wheel drive if it starts snowing. But that should be as simple as literally something appearing on your dashboard and you clicking yes. And then a small amount goes out of your Monzo wallet and pays the manufacturer. I think that's the changes that we'll see is that that how things are built and sold will will, will be different from a consumer point.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think the nat- natural extension to that is is obviously all, also thinking about the mobility and people buying cars versus people using cars. I think is going to be uh, is going to be a major development. I think certainly in the world of tomorrow, everything will be connected by data, and it'll be entirely it'll be the process will be entirely personal, personal and you can select how you want to you'll have the choice to decide how you want to how you want to buy a car dealerships will be more experiential i feel but still have a key player key role to play in helping people to decide yep totally agree
0: fantastic a brilliant note to end on uh, darren and brett thank you for giving us so much of your time this morning we're very grateful for it and some brilliant insights as well thank you to all our, our viewers today uh, lots of questions as well um plenty i didn't get to as well um we'll, we'll be putting this up as a podcast and on demand as well so so you can catch it again uh, otherwise we'll be back next month for the next AutoCard business live and we look forward to seeing you then thank you very
2: much thank you very much mark